Well, everybody, hello. Uh, welcome to our second installment of the Pillow Talk po- podcast. It's kind of hard to say. It's kind of a tongue twister. Uh, with Sarah and I as we respond to questions that have come in um, uh, really in response to last week's sermon. And I just want to say thank you for um, tuning in and hearing yeah. uh, what maybe you yourself, questions you put in or what other people did. I, I think there's a lot of, there's some good questions here, some good stuff to respond to. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And for those maybe who haven't heard last week's sermon, uh, you got to preach on the topic of sex and intimacy. And it was very powerful. I know you shared some of your story and then laid out some of the things that you wish you knew and kind of the the good to seek in those things. So if you haven't seen it, you can go give it a listen, go on our YouTube. But we'll be addressing questions primarily in that vein of, of topic. So, Yep. Well, we got quite a few to get to, and we'll see how many we can get through um, in this this episode. But um, let's get to it. Uh, yeah, the first question I think is a winner. It's it's a real it's a, important, um, and I know Sarah, it's something that you have spent time wrestling with and thinking about. Um, and the question is this: Why do you think God wants us to wait till marriage? That's a good question. What are yeah. your thoughts? I know you've spent yeah. time processing this. So. I think, you know, the easy answer, easy answer is because God said so, right? And I think there's a level... It's always a valid answer to some level. And it is 100%. In the life of a believer, there's going to be times where the Word of God speaks, and as we investigate it, it might rub up against our flesh or our own desires for our life, but we want to come into alignment and obedience with the Word of God says. But I think what's so fruitful about the Word of God is that it is alive and active. And I think as we investigate it and let it investigate us we actually come into deeper understanding of the why. We don't always get the why, but I think in many cases, the Lord unveils the why. And in looking at the word and even just kind of assessing this, I see several things in scripture. One, the passage that I think you touched on last week, if not Brian Howard, um, this idea of when we get married, we're told that the man will cleave from his family. There's this almost like violent separation that happens from a period of singleness or in scripture when it's referring to this, someone who isn't yet physically intimate and then joining with his wife and it's saying the two become one flesh. So there's the singularity in that. There's also an exclusivity and there is kind of this drastic transition that takes place that leads to a bonding of the two that again is exclusive. It doesn't happen with your family. It doesn't, you know, happen with anybody else. And when I've like kind of looked into like, what is the actual function of sex? Like biologically, what is the function spiritually? I think one of the main things I find is deeply bonding. It's something that is actually meant to be this really beautiful glue in marriage where you have it just, you know, with the person that you're doing life with, that you're making the most important decisions with. Um, But it also cultivates this intimacy maybe when other things don't feel like they're in alignment. Because with physical intimacy, there does become this preference for that person. You actually start to develop a biological preference yes, for that person. Neurologically, things neurologically. are mapped. And hormonally, even with yes. things that are triggered. Um, we're discovering this stuff now. Yes. And it's powerful. And God's like, yeah, I made you that way. Like, 100%. I, I made you on purpose Yeah, to be this way. And I said these things for a purpose. And we're starting to see some of the, even just biological, of course, there's so many more, but mm-hmm. it, it's significant. Yeah. Right? And if that's, and that's one layer to it, right? So just there's, one, yeah. there's a spiritual implication, there's biological, neurological. It's almost like you do become 
glued to this person in a way. And that's why it's so hard when you are physically intimate with someone and are separated, whether by it's a breakup or divorce or even death, like when you no longer, your body actually goes through withdrawals from that person. So I think, you know, on the inverse, God wants us to wait until marriage because there's, there is a risk when you are physically involved with someone that suddenly you aren't just thinking clearly with your, with your mind or maybe in the integrity of your spirit, but suddenly you have this biological, physiological bond to someone that you're like, man, I can't like, that is so strong. Having a visceral connection with someone that is meant to uphold a lifetime of marriage and if you have that outside the marriage bed, um, it's not to say the Lord can't redeem that and can't make a path forward, but it's just using almost this like spiritual, physical, emotional super glue outside of its context. And like you talked about, it's so much harder to lay pavement and then have to break it up later in life than it is to map out where you want to pour that cement and keep that bond together. So in short, it's the bonding, it's the exclusivity um, that's upholding that covenant commitment that you're making. Um, and it just becomes so much more difficult. And then ultimately it's the obedience to the word of God yeah. and the mystery of marriage that he lays out for us. I think something too, like just to remember for all of you and for myself to remember, whoops, that <laughs> like God doesn't tell us things because he just wants it that way. He tells them, for, he tells for us good. these things for our good yeah. because he loves us. Yeah. And so, like, all of the things that we discover about his whys are things of us just understanding um, how it's good for us. Because yeah. it really is. He, yeah. he, his heart is kind and he wants our best. And so he says these things that we might thrive. Yeah. And so in, in the void of uh, understanding of a why, we can lean on the who you know, we can lean on his character and believe in like, okay, I don't fully get this yet, but I'm going to believe, I do believe that you are wise enough, strong enough, like, um, and loving enough to, to be able to speak into my life, even if I don't understand. And so I'm going to trust you, not the why and hope and pray and ask Lord reveal the why in time though, because that would help. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's 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 like a both and, but yeah, trust, just trusting the Lord undergirds it in all things. And then I would even encourage you, if this is your question, pray and ask the Lord to reveal, reveal more of that why, and even if and even reveal maybe what's what's bringing this question up for all the things that we're about to address, because the Lord doesn't want those roadblocks in our heart, but He doesn't. He's going to sit with you in that and in your community as we work through these things together, even if there's mystery, which there will be because he's God left over in the end. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Good um, response to that. Okay. We got, you have a couple that kind of fit on the same mm, theme Yeah. of how do you deal with shame from crossing physical boundaries in the past or how do yeah. I cope with sexual shame? Yeah. Um, That's so good. It's, a valid question yeah. for many of us, I think, for for many. Um, what yeah. are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that, Sarah? If I'll let yeah. you start again. So I think as someone who has dealt with sexual shame of varying degrees, whether it's in a relationship or sexual discovery outside a relationship, one thing that I've learned is like 
shame, shame from the perspective of the enemy is meant to hide us and to trap us and to say, you know, the difference between shame and guilt, shame is I am bad. And sometimes that shame could be like, I am bad because I'm not like the people, like the people I want to be like, like the people of God. But what it can actually do is start to isolate us and say, I am just bad and there's nothing redeemable about me. Guilt is saying I've done something wrong and that can be amended. And the truth at the end of the day is that's why Jesus came. He came and died so that we would no longer be bound by shame. And also that guilt would be a tool to lead us back to him. That repentance can actually lead us back into the way of life. So I'd say just first of all, like the Lord, he knows about our shame. Like he understands and while he is a just God and will judge rightly each day and at the end of all days, he, his, like his desire is to free us. So to even like bring those things forward before the Lord to say, God, I know that you know these things and I want the freedom that you offer me. Jesus, if I feel unworthy of your grace, help me die to that pride. Because when we say I'm, I'm so unworthy that, you know, even Jesus can't even absolve my sin, then we're almost like elevating ourselves. Right. So that, and then I think just like repentance is so healing. Like James tells us like that, like we are actually healed when we confess our sin to one another, that there's something healing to that. And to start with the Lord is amazing, but he actually invites us into a confessional community so finding someone who is safe, meaning you can trust them with the information you're going to give them and also who, who has your good in mind and loves the Lord and is able to reflect the gospel back to you. That was so, that was like life changing for me in college when my discipler confessed sexual sin and was a model of that freedom. And she was like, yeah, I've dealt with masturbation in the past. And first of all, I've never heard a woman <laughs> talk about that. But secondly, she was like, and the Lord has set me free and it took many, many cycles of repentance to get there. That was the first time I felt invited to even confess any sort of sexual sin. And I, a wonderful man who went through our ministry here used to say this, like, our shame is to God's glory. What the, what the enemy intends for evil, the Lord wants to use for good. And it can feel so heavy. But when we let that light of Christ into our lives in those areas, it could actually make a way forward. So really, like, what I'd land on is, like, repentance is huge. And I think even like if we can feel like we've left things in the past and sometimes it's easier just to not talk about it and, you know, time can heal things, but it could also bury things. Mm -hmm. And even recently, like I'm about to be married, but my fiance and I just came to a place where like, we were like, you know, there's still things in our relationship that we felt like we'd moved on from that we need to like repent of even if it, it's like, we're two weeks from marriage. Like, what does it actually matter if we repent? And like, it's not even, you know, we're like, these aren't even crazy things by like the world standards or like even the Christian subculture standards. It's not like, oh no, we messed up and we had sex. It was like, but we felt convicted in our hearts to not move on from that so that we can walk in more freedom because like holiness is always worth it. Um, so that confession, I think, has kept our relationship afloat in many ways and even confessing to each other, of sexual shame, um, sexual sin from our past that affect our relationship now. Mm -hmm. And it's allowed us to make a new way instead of being trapped by the old way and also just not feeling like we're hiding anymore. The hiding thing is, I mean, think of Adam and Eve, what was their first move to hide? Yeah. And I love how God says, where are you? And I heard someone point out one time, 
He knew where they oh, were. 100%. He's God. Yeah. That that question wasn't for his doing, it was for theirs yeah. to let them know, like, I'm looking for you. Yeah. I'm coming for you. I want you. I want to be with you. Where are you? Yeah. Why are you hiding? And I think to encourage and remind you too that God says the same thing to you. Yeah. He says, where are you? Why are you hiding? Because yeah. it's hiding, it's not worth it. And bringing things to light, oh, there truly is freedom when things are brought yes. to light. Um, to not hide it. Um, find those people or find them. You probably have them. I hope that you have them. Right. Um, now you can sit down with and say, here's what's going on. Confess it to a brother or sister out yeah. loud. Bringing it to light um, is significant. I mean, that's what we see through all the 12-step programs and all of that. Oh. Uh, one of the most significant things is just to start at the beginning and yeah. acknowledge where you're at. And certainly with the Lord, that's the that's the beginning of salvation yeah. is to say, I can't do this. Yeah, I can't, but he can. Yeah. So I think I'll let him. Yeah. I love, um, and there's a psalm that's been particularly dear to me, and I know for many of you I've shared it with you, but um, where the psalmist, it's talking about like how God extends grace. He extends forgiveness to those who fear him for he remembers what we are made of. He remembers we are just dust. Mm -hmm. He remembers how weak we are. Yeah. Like God isn't, he's mad at sin, not at you. He wants you. Um, the a thing that's always been helpful for me with shame of any kind, but uh, certainly, especially in area of sexual, it has its own unique power. I think, mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's a worse sin than others, but, but it does have its unique yeah. and scripture speaks to that. Sinning against sin, your own body. It, there's something mm -hmm. in that. Um, but is remembering like what, who I am isn't who I've been. Yeah. And, uh, what I'm aiming for. Like God is, God sees me and calls me to be my best self, my glory self, the person he made me to be. And all of this is stumbling like a kid learning to walk into being that man. Yeah. And I think the Lord views us in that same way. Now he's, he doesn't want us to fall. Yeah. He doesn't want us to, and he wants us to learn to walk and to walk better and better. Um, but he's not mad when we do. What disappoints him is when we don't get back up again, when we don't try again, when we just say, when we just wallow in having fallen. Mm -hmm. um, but when he's like, no, come on, let's go, let's go. Yeah. We're not done yet. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. So if that's you, there's a way forward. There, there is a way forward. absolutely is. And Christ mm -hmm. came to lift our burdens mm -hmm. and came to lift our burdens. Um, yeah. This next question it's kind of tangential, and I, I know as we talked, I just want to throw it to you first, Brian, but it says, what should you do if you're craving sexual pleasure and you pray with a broken heart, but the temptations don't go away? And this person is saying you're all, they're also not feeding sexual entertainment. Um, he wanted or she wanted to know uh, that they've been clean from porn and masturbation for over a year, but they still get tempted, which also... That's awesome. Like way to pursue holiness. Um, not that you get like gold stars for like whatever, you know, being clean of that stuff or someone's not, but like that's, it's incredible. And we just want to encourage you if that's your story and you're like, and I'm fighting and it's still hard. 
way to go. Like you are in the right place, but okay. I just wanted the little preface, but I, I totally <laughs> agree. Yeah. That's, that is a victory in itself. And there are things that you have been reaping from that, that maybe you don't notice, maybe you do notice, but, um, it's, there's more being reaped, reaped, reaped. That's a weird word, I, given the context I, of what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> there's more being reaped from that, that time than perhaps you even recognize. Um, one thing I'll just say in here, and this is something that I've had to learn, learn or accept, accept might be a part of it, is that so long as I'm on this side of eternity, of life with Jesus, I, um, here in this place where I'm in this tension of the already, you know, I've been saved, I, I am set free from sin, and yet I still sin and experience yeah. sin and death and some of the consequences of sin. And there's this tension of this in-between of Jesus has died already. Mm -hmm. um, and I've put my faith in him and yet I'm still not completely whole with him yet in heaven. Yeah. And, and that's a tension that is the reality of where we are until we are, we go either he returns on, in glory or um, we are set free through death yeah. into being with him in wholeness. Um, and so still having temptation, um, I, I know that it's possible to not have temptation. I know people who've been set free from being tempted. I know for myself, there's ways in which I would say I've been set free to degree from temptation. I don't know if I'd say I've been set free from temptation entirely, but I say that it's not as tempting. Yeah. When temptations come, it's not as strong. It doesn't taste not as, as sweet. When, it's, mm -hmm. I, it's easier. It's, I don't want that, man. Mm -hmm. I don't want that. Yeah. And it's almost like a sobriety. It's like you could be more sober minded, even if the temptation is present. Yeah. And, and the point, I guess, being that like, I don't know that temptation will ever fully go away. We don't have that promise. Yeah. Um, the promise we have is that we will not have a temptation that it, that overcomes us, wow. that we don't have a way out. Mm -hmm. And so um, we we hold to that, I guess. Um, continue to fight, continue to wrestle. Um, I think there's hope that the fight will get easier, just like a soldier like who is, you know, learns how to wield their, their sword and whatnot. Like, so we too get used to our sword, our armor, the whole armor of God and how to wield it, how to use it. And it sounds like you've, you're on, uh, you're off to a great start and maybe there's other components of the armor, um, that'd be worth looking into, um, and working on practicing using, whether it's faith in the God who saves and redeems and who you are, whether it's the helmet of salvation, that you are his, that nothing can ever take you from his hand. Maybe it's uh, that belt of truth. Like, here's the truth. This is bad. This is bad and not good for me. And just practicing putting that on over and over. Like, this is bad. And the other half of that truth, which is always important because we don't want to just hate what is evil. We want to cling what is good. And the other half of that truth is there is something so much better than this and to pursue the better thing. Yeah want the better thing, go all out for the better thing. And that has been a big thing that's been helpful for me, I think, too, is mm -hmm. when I like, man, if this keeps me from God, it's more about 
wanting to be with him than it is not wanting to sin. Right, right. And I know we're going to talk a little about this in the next question, but also recognizing like, I know there's a difference between temptation, maybe the object of your temptation and that knowing that's sinful, but rejoicing that like we're created to be sexual, like God is sexual, meaning we use that in terms of yes, physical intimacy, like there's something we crave in physical intimacy, but to be sexual is also just to be craved to be received, even emotionally, to be received socially, to know that who we are matters and we want at our core level to be fully vulnerable, fully exposed, whether that's emotionally or physically with someone and to, for, and to be accepted and to say, I want you, I want all of you. And if we kind of peel back the layers of even our, our physical cravings, it's typically we're craving comfort, we're craving acceptance, we're craving a escape or an experience or whatever it is, but it's not, it's usually not about the, the, the actual sexual temptation. There's so much more loaded in there. So I think something that I know has like helped me in that, even as, you know, I was cel or am celibate and not engaging in those things is like, God, thank you for giving me a sex drive. Thank you that, you know, maybe there's a part of me that's diverging, that's heading down a path of um, sinful thought or wanting to engage in a sinful pattern, but I'm going to stop myself and just like praise you for that part of me. Whether I get to engage in that itself, Lord, help me peel back layers. Like talk to God about sex. Talk to God about the moments where you feel like you're craving physical intimacy because he knows the root of it. And he knows that it's good and help him preserve your mindset. Because the worst thing we could do is condemn that and just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because then we actually get into a physically intimate relationship and you're like, I have all these really mixed kind of like broken feelings around craving this, you know? Yeah. That's, this isn't a question on the thing, but it's just triggered something for me is just wondering how it's a question. I don't have an answer. It really <laughs> okay. is a question. I'm like, what? Yeah. I wonder what, like, sex and, like, the sexual aspect of who we are, how does that play in heaven? Mm. What is that even, is that a factor? I'm not sure. It says well, we, don't, we, have, we don't marry. No. But what does that? Will we be naked and unashamed, though? I like, assume we, we would. When we have new body, like, because in scripture says new heaven, new earth, new bodies, which I'm not even yeah. going to attempt to fully answer what that means right now. But like in the garden, yeah. they were naked and unashamed. It's so interesting. I don't yeah. know what that means. There's there's questions. There's questions. Um, a question that we have here that uh, I think a lot of people relate to, and mm. it it dovetails off what you were saying, in, in my opinion, yeah. um, that my partner and I have trouble with temptation and often are unable to fight it. How can we redirect our thoughts and turn to Jesus? Mm. Um, and I think it dovetails because there's something about uh, just acknowledging that it's, it's not, it's not a negative thing to have that draw. Um, yeah. And, and even to say, and this applies for many things to recognize that temptation isn't sin um, yeah, think, Christ was tempted. Yeah, and yeah. I think sometimes, I know I've been in cycles before where even being tempted becomes this like, and it's like the enemy's just like, see, look how weak you are. Instead look of being like, you. yeah, I am. Yeah, <laughs> look how broken and terrible you are, that you would even be tempted, disgusting. And and it'd be like, okay, I'm tempted, but what do I do with the temptation? Right. Temptation is not sin. Yeah. Um, but it's actually 
that's the place in which we need to recognize temptation and turn from it, run from it. Um, And that even that might be helpful, I hope, for someone who needs to recognize like, okay, just because I'm tempted doesn't mean I've sinned. Temptation and action are two different things and even action mm-hmm. in our minds because Christ doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, he makes that clear. Like if you look at a woman lustfully, yeah. but that's entertainment of the temptation. Yeah. I think temptation, because I'm going to be honest, reading through the next question, I'm like, I think when people say temptation, I, I'm just going to think. They've gone beyond. They yeah. mean entertainment. It means yeah, what, what happens when we keep entertaining temptation. Mm-hmm. Because truthfully, I, I think like the experience, I think totally. it's, it's usually... Temptation's a way to soften it. Yes. And I've, oh, I've been that too. I like, justify that a lot. What happens when you're tempted? And I'm like, yeah. okay. What if I'm tempted to lie about this? Oh, I don't like that I'm tempted. Oh, rather than be like, I lied about that. I entertained that temptation and yeah. it came to fruition, whether it was in my mind or I'm in my actions. struggling with temptation rather right. than I'm calling what it is. Right. Interesting. So it's a good word. It's a good point. And and at least I will vouch mm. from personal experience. I won't yeah. I won't say that this person in particular meant that. But nor will I condemn you. No, in any nor way, will we condemn I you. I think it's uh, hopefully this is a, a a good call out in some way to to examine yourself a bit as we are doing the same yeah, ourselves right 100%. here now, recognizing oh wow, yeah. how do I use words? Yeah. I mean? Well. This question reads, my partner and I have trouble with temptation and are often unable to fight it. So they made it pretty clear. Um, How can we redirect our thoughts and turn to Jesus? It's been hard and we've been talking about engagement and marriage in the near future. So they're already feeling like they're struggling in this area and they're like, you know, what are we going to do when we're engaged? What are we doing when we're married? Because what they're addressing, I think is the truth is temptation doesn't go away. Like it doesn't go away once you're like, oh, no, I'm engaged to this person. We're so much closer to marriage. If anything, it gets stronger. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think. It's easier to justify. A hundred percent. And when yeah. you're married, I mean, I haven't been married yet, but from what I hear, it doesn't go away. It, the temptation to sin or sin against your spouse or sin against yourself, it doesn't disappear. Yeah. And there's there's that necessity of that, that laying that pavement yeah. um, of digging up and breaking up the pavement that's not healthy. And that maybe through acts... Act, like actual things you've acted out, but that stuff all came from yourself. The verse in James I had talked about um, uh, in the sermon um, is that that it's our own desires that entice us and drag us away. It's it's actually the thing that's behind that, um, and a lot of that path and that stuff that needs to be dug up is really what we think about sex, yeah. how we think about it, yeah. um, how we. Th- think about the other person and their role in it, mm-hmm. how I think about myself and my role in it and what that actually yeah. looks like. And that's the process of sort of digging that stuff up to yeah. re uh, to write a new narrative and, mm-hmm. and kind of deconstruct the old one and write the new one that's in alignment with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a long process in marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so helpful if you start doing that earlier on when yeah. you're single or if you're dating um, to do it then and, and work, engage in that rewriting of the narrative and that jackhammering up the cement that is the old one that's yeah. that's laid in. And so when it comes to temptation here, even I think um, like there's even in scripture for a married couple, yeah. there is there is intentional time. It said, abstain from sexual relations with one another for the purpose of prayer and devotion to the Lord. 
And if that's something that a married couple can be called to, like, well, why shouldn't that be a thing for dating? I mean, we'll get into dating in the next, in next week's sermon and how this isn't even, this is a really weird convoluted thing, this concept of dating that we operate within in our culture and society. And it complicates a lot of things, even a lot of things, especially related to sex and physical intimacy. And like, well, we're not having sex, but we're doing this. And it's like, that only exists because this idea of dating exists. Um, But what would it look like to abstain? And not just from like the thing, how about anything? Yeah. And devote yourself to the Lord yeah. and and say, if, if, if I as a married man and my wife are called to that, then why shouldn't you do that in dating? Mm-hmm. How much more reason to do that in dating? Yeah. And set time aside to pray through specifically this as you abstain from it. Right. Um, and that might be a way to have the Lord write a new vision for you, to actually have that space between you and your partner right. to say, look, let's just, we, we'll hang out. We'll, you know, we'll do things. We'll go to dinner. We'll talk. But like, I'm going to hold your hand and put my arm around your shoulder and that's it. Yes. Like, and let's do that for a month, Yes. three months. I don't know where you're at, but like do that and mm-hmm. ask the Lord and see what he might teach you along the way. And in the midst of that. Yes. I think it's, and it's, it's not popular, but like you're saying, it's like to have a radical abandon when it comes to pursuing holiness is always going to be for your benefit. And it's not, it's not popular. It's not popular, but I will say like, even like my most like emotionally unhealthy relationship had the best physical boundaries and it saved me from so much hurt, so much hurt because we weren't being physical at all. And it actually helps me with more sobriety, see and assess the health of it and whether I needed to go or not. And like physical touch as like, it's something that's in the moment is like, can be so good and so fun, but it's caused some of the most hurt out of in any of my relationships. And I think even within the Christian culture, you know, like we've talked about this in church before of like, we'll still talk about the first kiss and we'll still talk about like, as if there isn't like a, a very And there's fast, nothing sexual in that. Yeah, it is. I, I don't, I've said this <laughs> right? before on it's podcasts. Significant. That's significant. No, kissing is foreplay. Like it, mm-hmm. it is. It just is. It, even if you don't use is. your tongue, it is. <laughs> like, and it's true. And I it's, agree. It's, it's true. And that's why I think like, it's harder to put it on the brake because you're, you're already stepping on the gas. And like, even if you're not a zero to 60 person, even if physical touch isn't your thing, there are two of you and you're in this partnership. And if this is something that, again, like you're saying, is coming up for you again and again, and that's like the story of my, my recent relationship and my engagement where we really had to get serious about like, w- even carrying the sense of like relative holiness where like, coming from different places and one of us being like, we are feeling so much better than we have in any other relationship because our physical boundaries are way, way tighter than in the past. And then another, the other one of us just being like, whoa, but that you're like doing well is me like compromising. So, and I think that's where it can get so sticky and it's harder. We don't want to say no to people because we don't want to hurt them. We don't want to disappoint them. And I think that's where it comes into play too, where if you're in that spot, we're, we're afraid of rejecting our partner, A, like 
that's fearing a person more than fearing God, but also there's a place to like say, hey, I like this is just not the time and place for this, but I still am very attracted to you. And I still really like you or if you're using that, love you. And because I love you and because right now you're just my brother in Christ, you're just my sister in Christ, I'm actually going to be transparent with you and say, I think we need to walk away from this, but it's not for lack of wanting to. Like there are moments where I've been like, oh man, like I want to be physically intimate with my fiance and having to communicate, even if it's awkward, even if it feels funny, hey, I would like, I would love if, if we could sleep together right now, but we're just not gonna. And that's okay. And feeling, you know, those are boundaries we had set and feeling respected in that, but also just understanding like it's okay to communicate like the positive that as well. But like you're saying, just don't it's be It's a good afraid. way to mitigate yeah. rejection, which totally. I think is a key thing that you pointed out there is, is how often we don't hold boundaries we think we should have or we don't even bring it up because we're afraid of rejecting. Right. And there is a way, not just a way, it's actually like necessary yeah. to be able to like communicate and not reject. Right. And so yeah. I, could you just reiterate that phrase in particular that like how you would say something like that? So somebody has a really practical example of how do you phrase to someone, hey, I don't feel good about this yeah. and not reject them. Yeah. Like so how can you do that? Something like, hey, I'm really attracted to you. And I actually like what what I'm feeling right now, what you're feeling, like I would actually love to do that, whatever. You could even be as bold as like, I would love to have sex with you, but we're not going to do that. And it's not for lack of wanting. It's it's because I want to be obedient to the Lord. And I think you do too. And I think it's believing the best because I think what I've fallen into in the past, because I tend to be less physical, I've been complicit. It's not that I haven't, like if you're in it, like we talked about this, like you could still be complicit in that even if you're the one who's pulling back a little bit more. But to say like, hey, like I know, like I know in the way that we've talked about this, I know in you as a man of God or woman of God, if in your heart of hearts, if you were thinking clearly in this moment, I think you would want that too and not condemn them and be like, create more of that tension. Now, there's always a caveat. If you feel like your boundaries are constantly being pushed, if you feel like you're in a relationship where like you speak up and it's just not respected, there's a difference between failing forward with someone where you're like, we are trying, we are trying so hard. And occasionally we slip up, not because we're abusing the grace that was given us, but because we're human and we're like, oh, dang it but we repent and we move forward. That is a completely different story than being in a relationship with someone where you are very forward about your boundaries and they completely ignore you or they disrespect you altogether. Yeah. And I, so I would just caution you that. And if that keeps happening, that's a conversation you need to have and that's something you might need to reassess. But that is a little bit different than wanting to create a new path forward and being on the same page about trying for not relative holiness based on your past experiences, but a holiness that is set by the standards of scripture and, and the standards of the Lord. So good. Thank you for explaining that, Sarah. I think that's, I hope that's helpful for you guys as well. Yeah. Something I'm still learning. Um, there's more questions here for us to answer yes. <laughs> um, or respond to. And truly uh, seeing some of these too, I think there's more responses um, than necessarily answers. Um, but I hope even in that you guys hear our heart, which is uh, I think reflective of the Lord's is that he sees you and he cares for you. He wants the best for you. Yeah. And all these questions, any doubts, um, the wrestlings, the 
like, but why, Lord? How can it be this way? That doesn't make sense based on what I know and experience. Like, I don't think the Lord is mad or condemns you in any way. I think he says he sees you and he goes, my son or daughter, I love you. Let's work on this together. And so our desire is just to be a part of that and extension. That is what we prayed as we prepared um, before starting to record this is just, Lord, may people um, find you in the midst of all of this and hear your voice. And so Mm -hmm. that's our desire as we continue um, in future weeks to respond to the rest of these questions. um, We hope that you hear and sense the Lord, um, whether it's through this time, but also in your own time. Seek him yourself and you will find him. Um, be quiet, go have alone time, sit under a tree. That's my favorite thing. Um, but, uh, like turn the phone off, set it aside, get away and just be quiet. Yeah. And I think you'll be amazed at how uncomfortable it is at first. (laughs) Um, but how in time with a habit of such things, the Lord will meet you in those spaces and he'll teach you way more than we could. A hundred percent. Thank you guys for trusting us with your questions. And if there's anything that we shared that you want clarity on or you want to ask a follow-up question, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, Yeah, we're in this journey with you. And we'll be there on Thursday. Actually, I'll be on there on Thursday. This girl's getting married this weekend. So, uh, yeah, TBD, some more insights to come (laughs) in the future on these topics. Uh, Well, um, (laughs) we're thankful for all of you and look forward to seeing you on Thursday.